Welcome to Emory Innovators, a series of conversations between the Hatchery, Emory University's Center for Innovation, and Emory alumni who are innovation leaders or entrepreneurs, or have taken innovative approaches to designing their careers and disrupting their industries. Welcome to Emory Innovators, which showcases conversations with Emory faculty, staff, and alumni who work in innovation and entrepreneurship, or who have taken innovative approaches to designing their careers and disrupting their industries. I'm Kate Hildebrandt, Programming Coordinator at The Hatchery, and I'm excited to host today's conversation and welcome our guest, Roshni Rai. Roshni is the Field Marketing Manager at Creature Comforts Brewing, where she focuses on partnerships and design thinking, benefiting social and sustainable impact, as well as DEI. She has had the opportunity to increase social impact, sustainability and diversity, equity and inclusion, while also reducing costs and increasing revenue through creating partnerships with global and national corporations, nonprofits, and governments such as IHG Hotels and Resorts, American Red Cross, US Department of Energy, and more. Roshni has an undergraduate degree in psychology from Emory University and an MBA from USC Marshall School of Business. So welcome, Roshni. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to explore your innovation career and your projects. Um, but to kick things off, I'm wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your time at Emory. Sure, yeah. My time at Emory was interesting. I, I rolled up move-in day freshman year, and that was my first time being on campus. I had chosen Emory sight unseen and quickly oh, wow. really, <laughs> came to find out uh, everyone around me was pre-med. I, I knew the statistics coming in, but I really felt it once I got on campus. I was over there on Smith Second, uh, right across from the business school. And it was, it was great though. You know, I knew I was here to really get as much variety as possible in my classes and my activities so that I could help figure out what I wanted to do. And while some of the content from those stuck with me more than others, uh, I think the thing that I absolutely gained from every single one was that I was able to learn what I liked, what I didn't like, uh, what I was good at, what I wasn't good at, uh, so that I could help better understand what were my hard skills, my soft skills, what types of people did I want to surround myself with. And that really helped me to land some amazing jobs and form even better relationships that I'm still very grateful for today. So yeah, I really enjoyed my time at Emory and still enjoy doing things like this with you all. Um, yeah, we're glad to have you here. Um, can I ask you just a side question is how did you choose your major in psychology? So I chose that after taking many classes uh, at Emory, uh, mostly filling my requirements. And the psych ones for me were the ones that I gravitated towards most because they helped me explore different types of people and how to relate to them, how to understand their motivations and what really drove their behavior, how to influence that behavior. And 
really how to do so in a responsible way that was benefiting everyone themselves and everyone around them. And so I was really interested in taking that with me wherever I went afterwards and um, made sure to transfer those skills to my work life as well. Yeah, it sounds like you have, especially with what you've been doing lately. So that's really great. Um, many of our students that we speak with here, they have questions always about successfully managing the transition from student life to professional life. Um, how did you go about managing that uh, transitional moment and finding your work, um, especially your first job, that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And then how did you translate the lessons that you learned from your studies and into the professional world? Yeah, definitely. So the transition for me, I'm not going to lie, was not easy. Uh, the, just like people have been talking about the economy and the job market over the past couple of years, when I graduated, it was also very, very rough. Um, and there weren't even ups and downs. It was just pretty low for a significant amount of time uh, to the point that a lot of people I knew decided to go just straight to grad school rather than dealing with trying to get a job. Um, I was fortunate in that I had been able to have a number of um, internships and part-time jobs that I really enjoyed while I was in college. And so I was able to continue that after graduating and eventually convert one into a full-time role. So that's one thing I would highly suggest if that's an option for you is to just try and get some real work experience while you're in school. It also just helps to understand again what, what you might like and what you might not like um, for what you want to do afterwards. Uh, I think as far as, you know, translating some of my skills, we talked about that. Um, but some of the other things were just a lot of that is also surrounding yourself with the right people. And so one of the things that I actually did not do at the time, but I wish I had done is something that a former colleague and a friend of mine had shared with me, Troy Sweeney, he's awesome. He, I can't remember where he said he got this, but it's this idea of having your own personal board. Uh, do you guys use that or have you used that at all? So um, I've heard the term, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's essentially the same idea when, you know, companies have these boards that help guide them or help fill in the gaps for things that they need. So why can't people do that too? And it definitely varies from, you know, person to person as far as what you actually need and what works for you. I, he threw out five that resonated with me really well, um, the five different types of people. And so one was having a creative innovator around you, who's someone who is, you know, in your industry or your market or field, who's always setting trends and everyone's looking to them and following them, you know, have that person to be a guide for you. Um, and then almost a balance to that is having a pragmatist and someone who's going to say all those future thinking ideas are great, but these are the challenges. And how are we going to help you mitigate those challenges as you come up against them? And then the third is a network node. And so there's always going to be someone in your industry or your region or whatever it is you're trying to get into who knows everybody. And so when you're talking to them, there might be things that you don't even know you're missing and they will pick up on those and say, oh, hey, let me connect you with this other person to help you out here. 
Um, the fourth is the up and comer. And so that's having someone, you know, especially being at Emory, you're surrounded by so many students everywhere. It's great to have just by that nature of growing up younger, you have different experiences and different perspectives. And that leans to you being more creative and innovative in different ways. And I actually, I even really enjoy mentoring high school students or talking to middle school or elementary school students because they just think of the most crazy things sometimes. And you're like, oh, wait, wait, that might actually work. And (laughs) then you can (laughs) see how you make it happen. Uh, And then the fifth one is your future self. And it might be one ideal person or it might be someone who I look to this person for my, uh, you're my career goals and you're my family goals. And this person over there is my health and wellness goals. And so, you know, making sure you keep in touch with these groups of people so that you're bouncing ideas off of them, you're getting guidance from them. Um, They, because sometimes you just don't know what you don't know and they can help point those things out for you. Um, And really, you know, especially with the way things are today, it's so easy to find these people. Like the internet is amazing. You know, you have LinkedIn and Instagram and all these social media. Like I, I'm not a fan of it in some ways, but in some ways it can be really helpful. And so for things like this, when you're really trying to find people who inspire you and who motivate you, I think it's great. And you have direct access to them, especially as a student or at someone at Emory, you can easily send them a message and just say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm a student here at Emory. I enjoy what you've been doing in this field and I'm trying to understand the benefits or the challenges of what that might look like for me. Can we chat for 20 minutes? And I would be really surprised if anyone said no. Uh, so uh, just it, as long as you go into that meeting with a plan of not only what you want to talk about then, but what do you want to do afterwards? Like, who do you want that person to connect you to next? And when are you going to follow up with them? And also have an idea or at least find out during that call what you can do for them. So it's a two-way relationship. And you really start that foundation and keep building from it. I think that's just, you know, the more relationships you have with people from different perspectives, that's huge for transitioning um, in anything, whether it's work or anything else. And um, yeah, I guess then the, also the other thing that I would mention, which I also did not think about when I was graduating, uh, which was so important is, you know, we all thought about you go to college and then you have your next step, which is a job or a graduate program or whatever it happens to be. But there's so many other things to think about, uh, you know, with adulting. And so, uh, but there are great resources out for that now too. You know, one of the newer ones that I really like is Onomy. Are, are you familiar with that? I'm not. So. Um, it's like economy, except without the E and the C. I, I don't know if that's how they came up with the name, but that's just how I remember how to pronounce it as economy. And they're on all the different platforms, uh, but it's really completely geared towards how do you make that transition from really those first times when you're going out on your own and you're doing all these things on your own. And they do have very simple actionable steps for looking for a job and getting a job and things like that. But it's also 
so many other things, like things that you might not know you have to think about with your taxes or choosing health insurance or, you know, financial health. You know, when I graduated, I assumed that if I had a job and I was paying my bills and maybe saving a little bit, then I was, that was me being financially healthy. That is not financially healthy, I've come to learn. And so Anami is an amazing resource that helps helps really break down like so many simple things that you can do at any age and any stage to really set yourself up um, in much more healthy ways. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think those are some of the few things that both helped me or that I wish I had done is really just getting that work experience, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people and just learn being more well-rounded, like not just focusing on the job, like looking to be transitioning into all the different ways you need to transition. Thank you. That was like a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> so much wealth in that one answer. Um, I really love the idea of having a board, a personal board. And um, I think that I was the networking person for most people, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if after this, people are, you know, emailing you. I always tell our students, your Emory email address can get you into a lot of places. Mm -hmm. So, so don't be afraid to use that. Um, and it's like you said, I would be surprised if people don't answer as well. So <laughs> that's great. I hope, I hope you get some emails after this one. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, so one thing that we talk about a lot of entrepreneurs and corporate innovators um, often have to kind of innovate their own career path or they feel driven to make their own career path. I wonder if you could share how you've applied innovation best practices to designing your own career. Yeah, sure. So I think there are so many different types of innovation practices and it just depends what you lean into more. So I think, you know, we already mentioned that I, I tend to lean more into design thinking. I've, mm -hmm. I've done, depending on where I've been, whether it was at school or different jobs, they taught different forms of design thinking. Um, IDEO is a great resource for design thinking. Um, and there are so many different steps throughout that process and that innovation process of identifying things and then working towards your solution and then continually evaluating that and expanding on it. Um, but if I, you know, one particular section within that that I do tend to refer back to more often than not is this idea of looking at three different things and, you know, that's your product, your user experience, and your feasibility. And Again, IDEO is usually more focused on actual products, but you can apply it to anything and, you know, even your own career. And so for me, you know, one example of when I was looking at that was when I was deciding if I wanted to go back to grad school or not. And so it was, you know, for the longest time, you know, the product of actually going to school and getting that degree was not necessarily as appealing for me. I, I love going to school and sitting in classes. I could audit classes all day. Uh, you know, I still like sit in on webinars and such all day and that's great, but I really do not like writing papers or taking exams, things like that. 
completely stresses me out. Um, so I am just not a school person in that way. And so I really did. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to go back to school unless, you know, just for the sake of going back to school. And, you know, by the same token, you know, that product, just the user experience, I guess, of that stress wasn't worth it to me to just have a degree. And so, and people were telling me as well that, you know, my work experience and my relationships here were fairly strong and that I didn't necessarily need it. And then not to mention that grad school is expensive and it's time consuming. And so the feasibility aspect, you know, was not the best in the beginning, but like with the design thinking process, you continually evaluate those things, right? And go back to them. And so I had a plan for if anything ever changed to, to work on that feasibility aspect to make sure that, you know, the costs and the time and things like that would be manageable. And as I did do more research, I was able to come across different programs over time where there was a lot more of a social enterprise aspect to the grad school programs and which is essentially what I had been doing my whole career I had been focused on working on these partnerships to benefit both business as well as social impact and sustainability and that's basically what social enterprises and so now that I was starting to see more of a product that leaned more into what I was more geared towards myself personally I did more research. Some of them were more authentic than others. And then when I found the ones that did seem to be more authentic, you know, I dug into them more and found out that the curriculum really did involve real-time consulting um, with social enterprises. So, you know, what that's why I chose USC really for my MBA was these, you know, for example, my digital marketing class, the entire class was focused on helping this company that finds freelance work for uh, displaced refugees. And, you know, so, oh. yeah, I was like, well, mm. I've been working on something like that, that I would really enjoy. And, you know, it's a real deliverable output that I can see. Um, then maybe that experience would be better for me. And, you know, also it wouldn't just be a degree for me. I would actually be applying it to something I cared about. And also I'd be out West, you know, I'd never, while well, my relationships and my networks are strong here, I'd never lived out in California. And so that would be something, the product would be a little bit more worth it for me. The experience would be more worth it for me. And the feasibility by that point had gotten more manageable. And so by going through that innovation process of just continually evaluating those things and as the scales tipped more in the positive areas for those three items, I, I eventually like made that decision to apply and I got in. And um, again, like two days before classes started, I moved out to LA. And yeah, just as with Emory, so many amazing experiences, both in class, out of class, and the relationships I've, have been really solid ever since then. That's fantastic. I love how you talked about how you looked for all those little value adds, um, like moving out west and just things that you were uh, thinking about, but not necessarily were on like the main list of what you were looking mm -hmm. for. Um, just looking for those value adds is important like that. That's great. Um, I'm wondering, you've worked 
with some really larger corporations, uh, wondering how it has been moving to a smaller company. And maybe you can talk about what you're doing now at Creature Comforts Brewing and talk about your role. And also maybe just tell us one or two of your favorite brews that you've made there or not you've made, but they've made. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, my whole career, I moved back and forth between large companies and small companies. And there's definitely pros at each one. Um, and same between companies and nonprofits and governments, you know, they all have their pros, but in terms of size, I would say, you know, the larger companies that I came from were great because they had so many resources. I mean, just some of them had endless resources, which is so nice. Uh, you didn't have to worry about so many little things. And then there's also so many different people that specialize in very particular areas. It's crazy how you can find people who are so intelligent and in very, very specific areas when you're at larger companies. It's great to learn from them. Um, and then it also, it's nice to just have the name recognition from larger companies sometimes. That also helps with credibility uh, when you're talking to others. Uh, but then, you know, moving back to a small company, I also really enjoy that it's so much easier and quicker to get things done sometimes when you need a change. Uh, that's often difficult at the larger companies. Um, so smaller companies, it's nice to see that move faster. Uh, also, while you know, because of the nature of having less people, you're also forced to do so many other things outside of what you're you know, official job role might be. And so by doing that, you get to learn so many new skills and you get to be good at a lot of different things. Um, and then also it's nice when you're at a smaller company to know pretty much everyone at the company or at least have that ability to quickly be able to establish a relationship with someone that you would like to, and that's at any level, you know, you can very quickly get to know leadership, you're not just a number when you're at a smaller company, so that goes a long way too, I've really enjoyed that, and as far as what I'm doing at Creature itself, I'm a field marketing manager at Creature Comforts, and so that means that I get to interact with our customers, our partners, our communities, anywhere outside the brewery, I work on items there. So that could be um, experiences and events, sponsorships, donations, working with our vendors and suppliers, uh, even anything that you might see, like a mural. Uh, so anything at all that ties to something outside of the brewery. And, you know, given that my particular background and expertise has always been tied to social impact and sustainability, I always bring that lens to everything I do to help translate all the amazing initiatives that are being done, both within the company itself, as well as with our partners. Like, how do we share that story and start those conversations with everyone so that we can help learn from each other about how to make things better? So... And a lot of that can be anywhere from, you know, just the simple products that we, you know, just have to physically make things, uh, you know, like our facility ourselves, we um, you are know, really working hard towards making that more sustainable, but then the products as well and 
all the different vendors and suppliers that we use for that. You know, you asked me about some of my favorite brews and I was mentioning earlier, it really depends on you know, what day it is, what's going on, what am I eating, what do I want to pair with that? Uh, but in general, you know, there are a few that I really gravitate towards. Um, you know, there's some darker ones out now. Cocoa Bunny is great, um, but I also really like Athena as part of our year-round lineup. Um, it's a Berliner Very good bike. classic. And, yeah, it uses, I don't know if you know this, but um, it uses local wheat from Day Spring Farms. So, you know, we so cool. all our wheat for that beer comes from there. And same thing with, um, we have some beers coming out now. We have one called Get Comfortable that's going to launch next week. And that's part of our annual giving program. Um, Get Comfortable is this idea of you know, you can't really be comfortable unless you are provided for, if you are financially secure, if your housing is secure, you know, if your health is secure, all of these things. And so that's our giving program for the year. And we make a beer every year where we collaborate with someone different each year. So this year we collaborated with Bell's Brewery for that and source local ingredients for that beer as well. It's going to launch next week and 100% of proceeds will go back to get comfortable. So yeah, there's, those are just a few of the ones that I like, but again, there's so many that it really just depends like what you're in the mood for. <laughs> there's always yeah. a way to find something that someone likes. Definitely. And thanks for that preview. I'm, I will be finding that myself. <laughs> um, sounds like a good one. And I'd love to know, you've talked several times already about just having an impact and um, doing work in innovation as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and making sure that everyone has what they need, making sure that everyone's at the table. Mm -hmm. um, could you talk some about how your work in innovation relates to that, um, how you've been able to make an impact in that area? Like, what are some of the challenges and joys, and, and what have you learned? Yeah, so, you know, I think part of it is what you said, like bringing everyone to the table, that actually is one of the biggest challenges, I think, with any sort of innovation um, or really anywhere you are and whatever you're doing. I think more people are starting to notice that the people who are you know, working on that innovation, they're the decision makers, the ones actually making things are usually not exemplifying DE&I themselves. And so it's really difficult when at that level, if you don't have people representing those perspectives and those voices, how then that translates down to the people that they're affecting. And so I think that is at least one of the challenges that I've seen for sure, but it's being acknowledged more now. And so I think by the same token, one of the joys is that it is being recognized and that it's being worked on and it's being worked on at so many levels, not just in these companies, um, I, you know, with the leadership and things like that, which is great, but also with younger generations, you know, before when, at least when I started working, all these ideas of DEI or social impact or environmental sustainability and, uh, you know, all these things were all a nice to have. But now it's definitely getting to be more of a need to have. And 
I think that's a big part because so many younger people are starting to be aware of that. And when I say younger, I mean really young. Like I know elementary school students and you know who are so young and they're aware of these issues and you know they want to make things better. And there's so much research that shows that when you really get to someone when they are in late elementary or early middle school, that those those thoughts and those processes, those behaviors often stick with them and carry through. So that's really exciting to see. And um, I'm very hopeful that they'll continue with those ideas and make even more progress moving forward. Yeah, that makes me really excited too, to see the younger generations um, just automatically embracing it, you know, <laughs> and not have to like, think about it and not have to like really process through it. Right. Um, my, I know I have a niece and nephews and they push me all the time and it's fantastic. Um, I would love to know uh, what's one thing in your work that you're really proud of, especially uh, recently. Sure. Yeah. So I think one thing I'm really proud of is that so craft brewing as a whole in the industry last year or so had a bit of a movement and a shakeup where they were being called out for how certain breweries and certain organizations were, were treating women in particular. Uh, there was a lot of that, a lot of things that came out that just hadn't been as talked about as much before. And so when that happened, Creature really took that seriously and looked internally and decided to really go deep um, on how they were treating our people. And, you know, we, I mean, I, I think we had always considered ourselves to be treating our people well, but it was one of those things where, you know, you might be doing well up to a certain point, but how can you do even more? And so they really dug down deep and decided to overhaul, you know, and be much more proactive about going out of their way to make sure that everyone was treated um, much better than they might've been before. And, you know, not just treated better, but how can we lift you up even more than you were before? And so building off of that, it was taken, okay, now that we're doing this internally with ourselves, it was used to start conversations with other breweries about what they were doing, um, you know, what could we learn from each other about how to treat our employees better. And now moving on from that, I've been taking it and working with a group of folks within the company across all different job functions. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in the company, but anyone who's interested in working on this with me has been helping to take that conversation and expand it and put together a list of questions that we should be asking ourselves whenever we're going out to festivals or sponsorships, any sort of collaboration, anytime we're partnering someone, you know, how can we be more proactive about being more inclusive? I mean, in general, there is a you know, um, there's certain types of people who are involved with craft brewing and sometimes it's not as much the more marginalized 
people. And so, you know, how can we make them feel more comfortable and more welcome in their space and let them see this is an option for them to enjoy either as a consumer or also come take part in the industry themselves? You know, how can we be better about making sure we're taking care of everyone's physical and mental well-being when they're either at an event or at our brewery or working in the industry, you know, it can take its toll. And so how can we be more proactive about that? And, and definitely with the environmental sustainability factor, there's always ways to improve, you know, how can we reduce our waste or be much better about how we're sourcing things? And how can we, you know, there's just, the list goes on and on really. Um, and as we're working on this, it's, you know, we're just constantly thinking of new things that we can be better about. And then also at the same time, trying to tackle like, which ones do we do? And so I'm excited to see, you know, where all this goes because we, there's so much room for improvement and it's only going to get better. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to think of all the improvements when we're innovation people and our, our minds are always drawn to, okay, what, what else can we do? <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. That's really good work. Uh, I was wondering a little bit more, you've told us about some of the joys, but what have some of the challenges been for you, um, even across your career as a person working in innovation space um, with marketing or even just general, uh, especially as somebody who's worked within other companies, not starting those your own? How's that looked for you? Yeah, I think... You know, just depending on where you are and what you're doing, there's always going to be different challenges. But I think you know, one of the constant ones is time is <laughs> always a challenge. I think it just it takes time you know, to get everyone to the table in the first place, because that's the biggest thing is that there's often so many silos wherever you are, if it's a big company or small company, you know, sometimes people are just so focused on what it is that they're working on that it's hard to make time for something else. And so, but until you bring all those voices together and everyone hears their perspective of what's going on and not just within your company, but bringing together the perspectives of, you know, your customers, your other partners in the industry, you know, anyone out in the community, who might be surrounding you and who might be affected, really all those voices and perspectives are important and it takes time to pull all those voices together to really understand what's going on and uncover you know, what's going on with each of them, what is motivating them, what is driving them, what is going to make them more likely to respond to something than not. Um, you know, how do you earn everyone's trust when you're trying to change something, especially if you're trying to change it quickly. So it's, it can get tricky. Um, yeah, time is always the biggest factor of just trying to balance what you're trying to do now with all the competing priorities of what everyone else is working on. So, um, but it's a process and it's just like anything else that, you know, the more you work at it and you find those people who who are going to be your advocates, you know, you get them on board and then you build it up and you keep going from there and you, you slowly make improvements sometimes and sometimes they're quicker than others, but it usually works out. Uh, can I ask a follow-up question to that? Yeah. I, I've heard you say a couple of times about being able to pull these teams together with different voices 
Um, how, what have you found that really works for doing that? What have you found um, that maybe you can help us in? We found, you know, pulling different voices to the table for innovation work, especially really makes it very successful, mm -hmm. but how to get them there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if you could help us out with that. Yeah, so again, because the time factor is usually an issue, it's a matter of, you know, when you identify those people, like quickly trying to understand what is it that they are trying to solve and what is it that they are trying to manage uh, that is competing for their time. And then really trying to find a way to say, okay, this is how I'm going to tie in what we're doing to that. So that when you come bring your voice to this table, we're going to help you solve your issue at the same time. So I think that's been really helpful. So really finding that buy-in for them yeah. mm -hmm. uh, when you're pulling different yeah, people together. Yeah, making it mutually beneficial so that it's not just mm -hmm. something that you're adding to their plate. You're really trying to show them like how you're both going to end up winning in the end. Yeah, that's really great advice. Thank you, Roshni. Um, I'd like to give a heads up to our audience. We really want to hear from you. So if you have a question for Roshni, please go ahead and enter it in the chat uh, while we're taking these last couple of questions. And that way I can read it at the end. We'd love to hear your questions for Roshni. Um, so thanks. So Roshni, we do find that most innovators we talk with, and you've mentioned this several times also, uh, just kind of having that forward looking tackling important problems inside and outside of the workplace. Uh, what problem do you most want to solve these days? And how do you want to make the world better? What does that look like for you? Hmm. I mean, I guess it's sort of like them all. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's a very heavy loaded question for me. Um, the list is so long. Uh, just like I mentioned that, you know, I'm working on this on this effort, you know, with the company of how we approach our partners and how we can make things better. You know, we we literally have a list going of all the different things we want to work on. And within each list, there's sub bullet points of all the ways to break that down even further. And so it really just the list keeps growing, it seems, but it's just a matter of, you know, looking at that list and seeing you know, what can we actually do right now? What's going to take more time? Um, you know, what's going to have the bigger impact and weighing out all those things and, you know, just knocking them out as we go. But yeah, it's really, it's hard for me to decide because there, there are just so many things <laughs> that can be better. Uh, and I just want to help with all of them as much as I can. But yeah, I'd be excited to know because you have so many so many students, I'm sure, coming in with different ideas and different projects. Have you seen different trends for different things that they've been focusing on? Uh, we hear all kinds of things all across the board. Um, one big one that comes to mind lately is mental health. Yeah. Uh, and mental health in specific populations, like we have um, working on, you know, with international students or mm -hmm. like working with you know, just different populations across the board, but uh, I've seen mental health be a big one lately and just kind of that holistic health, like that whole person. So mm -hmm. just kind of as you were saying, uh, having that holistic view of, 
of, I just want to solve everything <laughs> because they all do go together. And as you start digging into, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion, you start to see all of the connections. Yeah. So I'm sure that that's been a thing for you. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, we do have an audience question and I'm mm -hmm. thanking you for that. Uh, so where can we find resources on how to develop design thinking skills? Uh, you mentioned economy as kind of one of those resources for getting into the real world and actions to promote sustainability. So that's a multi-pronged yeah. <laughs> question or um, onomy, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just retyped it into the chat. Sorry, it's onomy. So it's, yeah, just O-N-O-M-Y. Um, yeah, if you just Google it or find them on Instagram or any social media platform or I'm, you know, the website, they, they're all over there. Um, so, but if you have trouble Googling it and you still can't find it, let me know and I will look up an actual link to send back to you. <laughs> okay. uh, and then in terms of design thinking, design thinking is really interesting in that, um, you know, depending on where you go, people tend to put a different spin or a different flavor on it. And so, you know, I've worked at different places that use it very differently. Um, and, it, you know, even way they teach it can be different. So it just depends on what you lean into more. You know, I did mention IDEO, which I mentioned in the chat as well. So that's just I-D-E-O. And they're great for, you know, that's a lot of where I've learned some design thinking basics. They offer some courses online um, and just some basics as well. And depending, you know, but if you just also Google design thinking, there's so much that's probably going to come up with different resources. Uh, and there's probably, I'm sure, a lot of free things on you know, YouTube and this and that, where you can dig in deep and learn all about it. And when you find the different frameworks and the processes that resonate with you more, then I would just keep following those folks. Because um, yeah, if you connect with them more, then you'll understand it more and you'll be able to commun communicate that out to others much better. Uh, and then sustainability. Sorry, I didn't uh, miss that one too. So sustainability is, uh, yeah, another thing where it has just blown up so much recently. And, you know, I'm sure Emory itself has so many resources of what's being done on campus or different organizations to get involved with. Um, you know, Climate Reality is another organization that does a lot of work to educate people and work on different grassroots efforts to help with sustainability at the local level. And there's an Atlanta chapter for that as well. Uh, I can take that in the chat. Um, and, but also it, you know, sustainability can be so broad. It really depends on, you know, how you want to take it and where you want to go with it. So it could be, you know, sourcing and being local and, you know, making sure that you're being responsible in how you're growing things and um, the ingredients you're using for food. It could be, you know, waste management. It could be, you know, the actual materials you're using and designing. Um, you know, how do you reduce plastic in the materials and items that you're using, things of that sort. 
Uh, there are so many different ways you can look at sustainability. So it just depends on what you're interested in and how far down that rabbit hole you want to go. But if you do have any particular interest, um, you're welcome to follow up with me and I can probably point you to specific resources. Fantastic. Thanks for covering all those different parts <laughs> of that question. <laughs> yeah, no um, I have one more question for you, just because I'm curious. And you mentioned um, one of the people on your board should be your like ideal future person. Is that what you called it? Mm -hmm. um, so self. let's say future self. Yes. <laughs> let's say um, some of these students who are, will be listening to this podcast, their ideal future self is Roshni Rai working at Creature Comforts Brewing uh, in marketing. How do you, how do we become you? What does that look like? <laughs> well, that was a very long and windy road. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, really, you know, the, the key, as I think I mentioned multiple times was just relationships and just really having those relationships in the places that you wanna go um, and also, forming those relationships, not only to help get you there, but to help understand if that's really where you want to be, you know, because um, especially Creature is a great example of that, of where I knew people at the company before I even thought about applying. They were a company where because of the people that I knew who were already there and I had worked with them before, you know, I knew how they worked. I knew what they were working towards. And, um, you know, I knew that it was a place where I would be able to make some of the changes that I wanted to make and grow in my own ways and uh, help everyone else, and both within the company and outside at the same time. I knew it would be a good fit for me. And that was all because I had formed those relationships in advance um, and that worked out at Creature. And by the same token, I have plenty of great relationships at other companies where I love the people, but I know that I, because I have those relationships, whereas before I would have thought such a great company, I really want to apply and I really want to work for them. But because I have those relationships and I know how things are when you're actually working in the company uh, inside, I know that while it's a great company and they're doing a lot of great work, it wouldn't necessarily be the right fit for me. And so it's probably not the best for me to apply there. Um, so, so yeah, I think whatever it is that you know you're trying to do, and you know, it's just a matter of really digging in and finding out what it's like because things on the surface are not necessarily what they're like on the inside. So, and not necessarily good or bad. It just might not be right, the right fit for you. Yeah, forming those relationships is so important and mm -hmm. having especially those inside opinions can be yeah. so valuable when you're doing the job search. So that's really good advice. Yeah, it's really tricky and it can be even tricky just finding out what you want to do and understanding mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, that's a big part of identifying those relationships and just talking to as many people as possible you know they help you uncover things and then also um, this is another thing I got from IDEO that I remembered which again they applied it to products so if you're you know making a product or forming a company or something like that it, the intent was to help identify your mission statement of you know and through that you can help identify you know what it is you're really doing 
Um, but I apply it to myself personally as well. And they ask you to look at three quick things. Um, the first one is passion. The second one is people. And the third one is um, purpose. And so the idea with the passion is to think about the times when you were working on something that you were so excited about and really proud of what you did and you were just really shining bright and you know, could not get enough of it. Even if there were challenges or difficulties, you know, it was completely worth it because you were enjoying it so much. And then the people part is who are the people that were benefiting from whatever it is you are doing. So it could be an intended customer base, or it could be your teammates, it could be, it could be your family, you know, it could be anything, depending on what you're thinking about in that moment. Um, and then the purpose part is what was the benefit itself, you know, and how did it help someone or help someone else, or even if it's yourself, how did it help? And then you take those three things and you form this mission statement of, I fill in the blank with the action that was happening during that passion moment for you. Um, four, fill in the blank with the people that were benefiting. And then two, fill in the blank with whatever that benefit was. So, you know, for me, if I were to really think about an amazing project I worked on that I enjoyed, you know, it would be, you know, I formed creative and engaging partnerships between this nonprofit and the sports industry to increase sales, bring in attendance, raise amazing funds and awareness for this cause. And so that everyone could grow together and you know, keep their businesses growing. And in a way that wasn't just that one time, but it was, it was repeatable and it was gonna grow from that. And my fill in the blank sentence was not good because I just did that off the top of my head. It shouldn't have been that long and rambling, um, but that's the idea of it. It's just, you know, when you think about those moments of what you did and why you did it and who you were doing it for, um, you know, that can help narrow down what it is you want to do, where you want to go moving forward. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, with that, I think let's wrap up this episode of Emory Innovators. Roshni, you have given us such an amazing wealth of wisdom today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure talking with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Emory Innovators. To hear additional episodes, search Emory Innovators on Spotify to find or subscribe to this podcast. For more information about the Hatchery, Emory University Center for Innovation, visit hatchery.emory.edu.